Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Orange Crest Community Church. We're in the middle of this series called Peeled, and what we're doing is we're wrestling in this series with how to make the kind of fruit of our lives sweet and not sour. Uh, when, when the exterior of our lives is, is peeled back, the question is, what kind of fruit do we, do we have? What are we producing? Is, is it fruit that we all would agree is sweet and tasteful, or is it fruit that is more sour and or even bitter? Uh, so the, the best chance to see what type of fruit you have in your life is really it's when you're going through difficulty. You know, it's when you're facing a situation in your life that's not what you want. Or when people in your life don't cooperate with your plan or they disappoint you again and again. Or when a season of life is, is just plain hard to work through. You know, those are seasons where you're sort of peeled back and uh, you get to see what is inside. It could be as simple as someone sort of cutting you off in traffic or forgetting to, maybe on a street sweeping day, forgetting to move your car and, and getting a ticket. It could be as complex as someone that you love passing away or a relationship ending in divorce. But these are all times in our lives when we really don't care about the guard that we normally have up and, and people get a taste of, of what is really true of us. So in this series of messages, we're really spending time on each piece of fruit of the Spirit. That's, it's a list mentioned in the Bible in Galatians chapter 5. And we're exploring how does this fruit get produced in our lives. And so let's take a look again at the core passage. It's Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. It reads this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So fruit, in this sense, is what's really produced from our lives. Just like a tree produces fruit, we do the same thing. So we produce fruit. But, but how does this fruit really grow? Is this, is this a natural process for everyone? And does everyone actually produce the fruit of the Spirit? Because the, the verse begins with this phrase, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And so the fruit of the Spirit means the Spirit of God lives inside of us and He He produces this this uh, list. He produces this type of growth in our lives. Not to say that everyone on planet Earth can't be loving at times or joyful at times, but it's really God's Spirit who lives inside of the Christ follower who who from the inside begins to fuel and propel this kind of growth in our lives. Because you and I, we weren't born with God's Spirit living inside of us, but we can, with God's help, because of Jesus, we can choose uh, to, to follow and live for Christ. We do that when we admit that we actually need God and we need His forgiveness. We admit that we've gone our own way. We call that sin. And we acknowledge that our sin has a penalty. It, it, it brings all sorts of problems our way, both here and now and on into eternity. It separates us from God. So uh, all of that, just acknowledgement that I'm a sinner, and then 
I admit I need God's forgiveness, then I choose to turn my life towards Jesus. I, I yield my life to Jesus as the boss of my life. I repent, or what that means, I turn away from doing my, my uh, old way of life, and I begin going God's way. Now, that whole process of, of becoming a Christ follower is critical. What happens is, if you choose to do that, and you invite Jesus to be the Savior of your life and the Lord of your life, then God puts his spirit inside of you, and he, the spirit of God, begins to bring this new growth. And so th- this passage really lists out fruit that is helpful for us because it gives us a way to identify what things are really from God being produced in our life. And as we choose to live God's way, this gives us different categories to measure the right kind of progress. So, so far in this series, in the previous weeks, we've talked about love and joy and peace. Today we're going to talk about patience. Now, patience, someone asked me to, to enjoy some of the water that I have every week, and so I, that was for John, who asked me to do that. But patience is a, is a lifelong human struggle. What I mean is that when you arrive here, and you're a newborn, and then you become an infant, um, you're really wanting what you want. And when you don't get what you want as an infant, you you, can, you can't talk yet, but you start screaming for what you want because you're, you're not patient as an infant. And then you become a toddler. And toddlers aren't patient either. They, they start grabbing for uh, or going for things that they don't have. And they, they don't think they can live without. So the screaming still is uh, the tool that often we use when we're toddlers to get what we want. Then we become young children. And young children, a little more sophisticated, so they start pouting, they start getting frustrated that they're not getting what they want, they have words, and so they start explaining why they should have what they want. And then we, you know, become a child, and we get a little older, and and we start complaining, we start rebelling, learning ways to, again, get what we want, rather than being patient. Get a little older, and we become, you know, maybe an older child or preteen, and we start questioning, we start sneaking around, we start lying we might be tempted to, uh, again, just take what's what we shouldn't have or what we've been told is off limits for us. Uh, at the teenage years, we start sneaking more, maybe complaining. We're tempted. I'm not saying we all do this at all times, but you see the progression. Start disrespecting. Start ignoring. After teenage years, you become an adult, and we have more sophisticated ways of, of still being impatient. We vent. We, we get hasty with our decisions. We are, are prone to want to gossip, we're, we want to circumvent the system, we want to cut in line because I don't need to wait, and so I should just have what I want, I should be front in line. The rules don't apply to me. And we, As adults, we might start justifying our rebellious behavior. But all of this is just patience through the years. It's really a lifelong struggle that we need God's help in. So, let's wrestle through this issue of patience. Would you, would you say that you're a patient person? Uh, you don't need to answer that out loud. If you're watching that in a home worship gathering, you don't need to uh, point at the most patient person in the room or uh, snicker at the least patient person in the room. I mean, the, the the real issue is we all battle with a struggle, of a native struggle with being impatient. Now, the Greek word for patience is found that's found in Galatians 5.22 is makrothumia. And it's translated as patience. It can mean forbearance. It can mean long-suffering. Or slow to avenge wrongdoing. Uh, that's what some of the translations could could read for this word macrothumia, patience. Uh, 
But the word itself is it's a compound Greek word, so it's two different Greek words shoved together. Uh, makros, which means far or long, and then thumos, which means fits of rage or passion or indignation or even wrath. And so you shove those together, long fits of rage. So essentially, even though you may be burning with rage and passion on the inside, maybe someone pokes you, meaning someone bothers you, someone frustrates you, and you start getting enraged on the inside, what this word means is you can bear with that for a long time. You can put up with it. You don't act on the passion you're feeling on the inside. Instead, you're patient. You're willing to stand in the midst of the rage and not let that that uh, that emotion that's feeling inside of you, you're not allowing that to let that control your outward actions. That's patience. Now, God, he is patient. This is part of his character. Can you imagine if if the very first time we did something wrong, if God just sort of squashed us and, and, and took us out, out of his anger over our sin. I mean, he, he could have done that. Uh, there would be, if he did that, there would be no such thing as, as mankind. We would all be squashed. But God, he chooses, out of his great love and patience, to withhold judgment. He gives us time to turn away from our sin. He gives us time to come to know him and to respond to him. Now, Paul, one of the authors of the New Testament, in fact, Paul wrote Galatians chapter 5. He wrote the book of Galatians to a church. And he was a man who went from persecutor of the church, of the Christian church, someone who would try to round up Christians and, and take them off to prison. He goes from persecutor to pioneer. He actually converted and became the primary pioneer of the Christian movement. And he said this about God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 it reads, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, God, he puts up with a lot of sin. And Paul is actually saying, God has put up with my sin. Paul calls himself the worst of all sinners. God has put up with our sin, and he remains patient with us over the years, sometimes even over a lifetime before we receive God's mercy through Jesus Christ. There are people that don't commit their lives to Christ until they're an older adult. Uh, and I'm sure there is much anger about the sins that we've committed against God, but God, he, he has remained patient. Here's another verse from a different church leader named Peter. Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 9 reads, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, everyone doesn't turn to God in repentance. In fact, some reject him. Some continue on. We all go our own way in life, and we set our own course in life, and some people just keep going and going and going their own course in life. But God, he patiently he actually pursues us even when we're going our own way in life. In fact, this verse in, in 2 Peter 3 is in response to a question about why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Part of what we learn in Scripture is that it's God's patience that delays the return of Christ. It's true that at any point, God can wrap up time in human history, but God's love for people and His patience that character quality that God possesses, 
that slows his return in order that more and more people might repent, meaning might turn around from going their own way and begin going God's way. It's his patience. It's part of his character. And it's one of the fruits that he begins to produce inside of us through the root of the Holy Spirit. Because like a tree that has a root, uh, we are connected to God through his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us the moment we choose to invite Christ to be the Lord or the boss of our life. Now for us, as I mentioned earlier, difficulty in life is the training ground for patience. It's where patience is needed the most. Every day, when there's difficulty, when there's when life is not going your way, we would naturally just sort of do the opposite of patience. We would be impatient. We naturally just want to give in to our emotions of sadness or anger or, or anything that just sort of allows what's what we're feeling inside that that passion on the inside to sort of dictate and control our outward behavior, naturally that would be our process if left to ourselves. But patience is a choice to remain steady. Despite outward circumstances, even, even when there's just rough personal interactions that we have with one another, even during difficult seasons like the one we're currently living through, there's a choice and an opportunity for patience. Difficulty is the training ground for patience. So the primary question that I really want to address this morning is, how does patience grow? Meaning, as we're faced with difficulty, which I know we're all experiencing difficulty right now, how can we turn these opportunities that steadily come, how can we turn those into opportunities to grow patience in our lives? There's actually two uh, primary actions that we can take that help grow patience, that the Holy Spirit begins to uh, work in to provide opportunities for growth and for change. The first one is this, it's to slow down, to slow down, to avoid haste, to to not be in such a hurry. I don't know if you've ever been in surgery, I've been in surgery twice. When you're in surgery, you don't want to see a surgeon rolling in his tools and you see a chainsaw on top of the table. <laughs> You, you, you want to see, uh, you know, this table that's rolling in with a scalpel. You want to see scalpel. You want to see fine precision tools because a scalpel is a tool that is all about precision. And th- that's sort of the idea here when you slow down. Haste is the opposite. Haste is sort of the chainsaw approach. And haste, as you know, just like a chainsaw, it can just bring all sorts of damage. But the scalpel approach is a more careful, a much more effective approach. So look at Proverbs 4. Verse 26 in the Old Testament, it reads, Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Give careful thought. That that idea, that takes a lot of time. It requires us to sort of slow down and not make rush decisions. Now, why is this so hard for us to do? There are a couple of main reasons why we typically don't want to slow down. Here's one of them. One of the reasons we don't like to slow down is, is anger. That's really the emotional approach. We let our emotions inside get the best of us. When you think of someone who's, who struggles with impatience, or maybe you'd say, you know, it's not hard to think about. It. I, I struggle with impatience. I think, I think we all could honestly say we get points to. But when you think about impatience, you generally think of someone who's angry. Uh, this person faces a difficult situation and just sort of blows up. They're squeezed, and the juice that flows out is is angry. Uh, they're, they're thinking to themselves, this just shouldn't be happening. There's really no rational thought. Instead, it's just pure emotional, negative 
you know, uh, emotion. And, and we all see infants and toddlers who do this. Remember, go back in your mind to uh, when you've you know, encountered a toddler or an infant and they're crying for their food. They're hungry. And parents are working really hard to get their food ready, but the, the child is just so hungry they start crying, they start even screaming. If they don't see forward progress, meaning if they don't see a spoon coming towards them, they don't want to settle down. Now, as adults or as teens, we all are sort of like this with God. When we don't see the type of progress in our life or in situations that we want to see, and now we, you know, we can allow our emotions to just run our lives and we can be getting angry and angry and demanding our way. We start blowing up. If you struggle with, with reacting in anger to things, then consider a, some sort of a physical action that signifies patience. Maybe take a deep breath. Maybe, maybe pour yourself a glass of water and, and cool yourself down. Maybe take a step back and, and sort of clear your head for a moment from the situation. Or maybe go on a walk just around the block. Don't, don't take off for the day so everyone's wondering where you're at and if you'll ever come back. But maybe take a short walk and even say, I'm going to take a short walk. And you're doing that in order to cool down. You're doing some physical action that signifies you're, you're actually, you're slowing down. Now Proverbs 14 verse 29 reads, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. You see, anger, anger clouds our ability to move forward rightly. Now another reason we, we don't often slow down is because of pride. Pride is the, it's the, I've got this approach. We think we understand 100% of what we're facing in life. Proverbs 16, verse 18 reads, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, pride is elevating yourself to a level that you're not really on. We think we know exactly what need, you know, we, we think we know exactly what to do without actually understanding all the facts. We think we're up here and the reality is we're actually down here. And so the opposite of pride is a word called, and a concept called humility. Humility, it says, I may be accurate in my understanding, but I better make sure since I can very easily make mistakes or I can very easily miss something. And humility is just recognizing that I don't have uh, all the answers. I'm not 100% in control. And so as we approach difficulties with with the understanding that maybe I could get it wrong, then we tend to move a lot slower and we begin to take our time. And a good way to make sure that you're not moving forward in pride is just to ask other people for their input in life. We get great ideas because we think, well, I must have all the answers. And we start charging ahead with a plan. But it takes patience to actually slow down, humble ourselves, and recognize I wonder if other people have a different viewpoint or a different angle, different perspective that might be helpful right now. It, it requires patience to ask people for input. That's, that's a point of, of humility. And so again, being patient means we slow down, but it doesn't mean we stop. And so the second action that we take, that we really can take to grow in patience is to keep moving. So we're not, we're not slowing down to a stop. We actually keep moving forward. In other words, 
we don't give up. We don't uh, throw in the towel. We don't uh, drop our responsibilities. Instead, we persevere, we hang in there, and we press on. Now, James, one of the uh, leaders in the early church, he wrote a letter to all of the believers that were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And he, in his letter, he addressed the idea of continuing to move forward and to remain steady. Look at James 5, verses 7 and 8. It reads, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, waiting patiently, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now James, he gives us an example to follow regarding patience. The example he gives is the farmer. Farmers truly understand patience. I'm not a farmer. I may, may be able to grow a few things in our garden. I mean, little tiny tomatoes that my wife grew. Uh, I think a zucchini squash, uh, lemons. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to learn how to become farmers. <laughs> We've planted for years different trees. Some do well. Some, you know, plants don't do well. But something that we know about farmers is farmers truly get it. They get patience. Because a seed is not planted one day and then you you go outside in the morning and you see a, a harvest. No, it's, it is really that you plant a seed and then the farmer realizes this is up to God to provide the autumn and the spring rains. So what the farmer does is they work hard to do their part. They put the seed in the ground and they realize the growth of this tree and the fruit that they like to enjoy, all of that is in many ways outside of their control. And most of like life, most of the challenging responsibilities and aspects of life are like farming. For example, parenting. Parenting is like farming. Marriage. Marriage is like farming. Friendships can be like farming. Now, my parents, they were very patient with me and my sister growing up. We both struggled through our teen years. And in our own different ways, we both really struggled with rebellion. And I can remember sometimes watching my sister's choices, and I would watch how my parents responded. And and sometimes, because I was the little brother, I wanted to see the hammer come down on my sister. And I wanted her to get in trouble. Uh, But I would watch as my parents were patient. I, I would watch, did a lot of praying, did a lot of spent a lot of time with, with my sister, just in kindness and in love. They were patient. Or I remember in my own life, when I would be overwhelmed with guilt over something I, d- I had done, or maybe I'd be freaking out in my mind of, oh man, I need to open up with my parents about about this or that sin. And, and, and I would go to my parents, and, and they would listen patiently, and they would take the time to help me get back on track. Because parenting is like farming. In all these different areas that we face in life, you know, keep keep planting seeds. Keep being patient, parents. Patiently play your role. Hang in there. Don't don't give up. Uh, this requires us to really lean into the difficulties and not to run, you know, from them or run away from responsibility. But why is it so hard to do? It's difficult. Uh, you know, to not keep moving forward. There's a few things that work against us moving forward. The first one is we often lose perspective. That's one of the reasons. 
Meaning we forget that God is the only one who has all the authority, all the power, and all the perspective on the big picture. God understands it all, and he can, he's in control of it all. Look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. It reads, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What God had in store for Jesus was death on a cruel, cruel cross. Jesus' death was the climax of the story of Christianity. But for Jesus, what that meant was he actually had to endure the pain and the suffering of dying on a cross. But that was the race that God had set out that God had marked out for Jesus. And so Jesus, the Son of God, endured the cross, and he remained steadfast. He was patient. God had, you know, God had a plan, and Jesus trusted the Father's plan. Now, God has also marked out a race for you and for me. He has us all doing different things in our lives. Not one of us has the same life. Not one of us has the same set of circumstances and pressures and challenges. We all have difficulties in our life. What is universal is that we all need to remain patient throughout whatever life may bring. We have to recognize that God is in total control and that he alone has the authority to control all that goes on in this world and in our lives. And so whenever we start feeling impatience sort of welling up on the inside, look up, fix your eyes on Jesus, like what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is saying. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the example that God has given to us. What that does is it helps us respond so differently to the other reason that we tend to stop moving forward, which is we often lose heart. We lose heart. In the midst of difficulty, it's so easy to think There is no end in sight. And so why keep moving forward? What's the point? We think the finish line of our, of our race should have already passed, but we're still racing. And so we start asking questions that begin with the word why. Why is this happening to me? Why couldn't my life be more like their life? Because it seems easier for them. Why am I still struggling with this? Why, why, why? And all of these questions cause us to stop moving forward and to start losing hope. We've got to be careful. Questions like the why questions that I just referenced are really outside of our control, outside of our knowledge. This, again, is right when we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Look at the very next verse in Hebrews 12, verse 3. It says, Consider him, speaking of Jesus, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Again, Jesus was the example of this. He endured opposition to the point of death. Consider what he did as as he moved forward following God. Don't lose heart. Instead, keep moving. Now, when it comes to patience, one of the very worst things that we can do is to set a finish line because we don't actually know where the finish line is. So it's dangerous for us to try to set a finish line of patience. How long do you need to be patient? Well, what do you think? How long? I mean, really, as we've been looking, is it, it's as long as it takes. There is a finish line, but God, he is the only one who's in control of us. We're not in control 
of the finish line. I like to wrap up by reading from this passage out of Psalm, chapter 33. It's a, or actually, chapter 31. I want you to take a look at Psalm 31, verses 10 through 15. It reads this. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me as they plot to take my life. Now, if this were the end of the passage, it would be pretty disappointing and, and you'd wonder. It would feel somewhat like often where we remain. We just sort of get discouraged. But he doesn't end there. Look at verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. He lands at, I trust you. My times are in your hand. Meaning, I'm not trusting fate or circumstances. I'm not demanding that it all get fixed on my timetable. Nor am I counting on others to get in line with my plan. I'm not desperately searching the news for hope, for answers, or for cures. I trust in you. My times are in your hand. The psalmist King David, he chose patience, and that allowed him to move ahead in faith. And so as you face whatever difficulty you find yourself in in life, I encourage you, slow down, meaning don't give in to anger, don't give in to pride, and then keep moving forward, meaning don't lose perspective, don't lose heart. Hey, let's pray. Father, I just pray for our church. I pray for those that are watching right now. Maybe there's some that are tuning in for the very first time. I just pray that they would... Uh, turn to you, begin to pursue and, and learn more, and investigate a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they would find the hope uh, that, that you offer both here and now and on et- into eternity. And I pray for those that already know you, that have yielded their lives to Jesus. We thank you for the way that you've placed your spirit inside of us. I pray that you would produce the type of fruit that reflects your character. So God, we pray for this fruit of patience to grow more and more in our lives. Help us to uh, make, make intentional applications, Father, even today. Because we know that uh, there are difficulties that, are, that we're facing right here and now. And so, Father, help us to take action and to respond to you. We, we ask you for your help and your power uh, to do all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, take some time today to really reflect on some of the things we've looked at this morning in this message Uh, If you're in a home worship gathering, then we're going to put some questions up right now, but these will come back on the screen after service is over. And so the the two questions to really reflect on this morning, uh, if you're with a group, is in what area of life recently has patience most been a struggle in? And then second, what is one step of growing in patience that you can take this week? Have a great week. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.